Welcome to the Joseph Z. Audio Podcast. For more information about this and other resources, go to josephz.com. I have a strong word this morning, and I think it's going to be a healthy, helpful word for you. Let me summarize it right in the beginning, and then we're going to explore it with the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us if you believe the prophets, you know, you hear the prophets prophesy something, you believe it, you will prosper. I'm going to unpack that in a healthy way today because a lot of people have begun to, I don't know how to say it, begin to abuse people that way, manipulate that way, say you got to, if I prophesy something, that means you got to do this and do that. And that's that's not accurate because we're in the New Testament. That was an Old Testament scripture. We all hear the voice of God today. We have the Holy Ghost in us today. And the Lord really wants all of us to listen and hear the voice of God. The prophets still prophesy and it's good. It's good. But there is prosperity involved with that when you begin to hear. Now I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. The other thing I want to talk about is giving, listen to me, giving in the face of persecution. And this is something the Lord stirred me up. I was talking to Heather this morning. I said, you know, sometimes the most potent gifts, people that are sacrificial and they step out and they do things and they get, they get persecuted. There is a special return to those who give under the face of persecution. And you might say, well, what do you mean? Well, I'll be more specific about that. And there's many different ways we can identify that. But when you sow under persecution, there is something magnificent that will begin to manifest in your return. You know, it says in the word of God, if you give sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you give, let's flip that around. If you give magnificently, especially under persecution, especially when people are not in agreement with you, but you know you have a word from God. Let me give you an example from my life. Years ago, Heather and I would give cars away all the time. And I don't mean like we gave one of our cars away. I mean, we gave the only car we had away. And we did that more than once. And we would, by faith, say, I guess we're going to have to get a ride for a little bit because (laughs) we're giving our cars away different family members, different people that really intended well for us and thought thought well of us said, you guys, you can't be doing this. This is insane. You need to use wisdom in your giving. You need to do these kind of things. I'll never forget, we were given a, a, a car. Well, we gave our very first car away when we had no business in the natural giving our car away. We had no business giving our car away. And we did it because we felt compelled to do so. I read the word. I listen to messages on faith. And I thought, man, why don't more people do this? Why don't people just sow? Why are they so clinging onto their things? You know, that kind of thing. And, and I didn't do it. I did it, one, because I wanted to go forward and, and have a return, you know, where there was power. But I also did it because I was just moved by the fact that the principle was there. And so we began to do that. We sowed our first vehicle and we didn't have another vehicle. I had to get rides everywhere. Heather had to get rides everywhere. She was pregnant and, you know, and those kind of things. And then after that, we did get another vehicle. I remember the first time we got another vehicle, it was was thrilling. But then we began to sew everything forward. We just started giving our vehicles away, giving our vehicles away. And one time after we'd had one or two, I think we had our had Allison, and I don't know that we had a had Daniel yet, but we had we definitely had one baby or two babies, and we decided to give a car away, and we only had that car, and we were actually living with some people, 
at the time and they literally they literally began to scold us scold us and say you are irresponsible you cannot do this you cannot do this and i looked at heather and i said i know god spoke to me when we gave I knew we were supposed to give. And I remember I promised somebody, I said, God told me I'm going to give you this new car, this car we have. And they were thrilled about it. And then somebody else grabbed hold of me and said, and they were kind of a mentor figure. And they said, you have no business sewing in this, this scenario. You have no business doing this. And I, and I, I actually got under condemnation, you know, and we're not supposed to do that, but I was a young believer. I didn't know and trying to do the best I could. And we decided we're giving and we were told, don't you do that. You're foolish. And you need to go get out of that commitment you made and you got to do that. So I actually went to the person and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I think I made a mistake here. And the person I was giving to held my feet to the fire too. They're like, you told me you were giving. <laughs> it was, it was a catch 22. It was like a Kobayashi Maru no-win scenario. And they, they basically say, well, if it was God in the beginning, it's God today. You need to do, fulfill your vow. And the truth is they were right. It, they just weren't very kind. They weren't very pleasant about it, but they were right. And I went back to Heather and I said, look, if I listen to people, if I listen to people either way, regardless of if this person's being a jerk or nice or whatever, if I listen to people, I'm not going to have the blessing of the Lord. And so we decided we're given regardless. We're given regardless. And we did. We executed, we followed through, and we gave. And through that process, boy, did we get scolded. Boy, did we get uh, chided and told, you you should not be doing this. You have children. You're not being responsible. You're giving away everything you own. And a lot of people said to me, we'd give to you, Joseph, but you'll just turn around and give it away. That kind of stuff. And we got scolded about that kind of thing. But the very people, listen to me very carefully, years later, the very people that scolded us and came after us and shut us down over that, literally over time, they ended up in a in a more of a difficult place over and over and over again financially. And we continue to grow and grow and grow because whatever the Lord has ever given us, I literally hold it in the palm of my hand and say, God, whatever it is, I don't care if it's a property, I don't care if it's a house, a car, whatever it is, it's yours. And you know, sir, if you speak to me, it's done. It's gone. I'll give it to whomever and whatever and wherever. Now, we know we're not supposed to give under compulsion or be led of the spirit. As so many people teach, we give out of a desire of our heart. However, let me add to that because we've emphasized a lot. We've emphasized a lot that you don't give uh, to please people. You don't give out of a desire to you know, be led of the Lord and just give. However, I want to balance that a little bit too because you have the Holy Spirit today. And it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 20, or excuse me, 2 Chronicles rather, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, it says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established, but believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. Now, in the Old Testament and the New, I believe there's very specific cases where if you have a prophetic word or somebody prophesies something over the year or over you, there's been times I've prophesied, hey, the stock in this company is going this way and people invested made a lot of money. And yet at the same time, we realize that it says, believe in the prophets and you shall prosper. Notice the correlation there though in First Chron- or Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, it says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. And we'll pick that scripture apart in a moment, but believe in his prophets, you shall prosper. The word of God, the Lord God gives you a foundation and then through inspiration. So at the very fundamental level, you have a foundation with God, a foundation with God. If you believe God, you're you're established. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. But then believe in his prophets and you will prosper. Believing the voice of God 
in your life. Now, let me say this as a New Testament believer. That's an Old Testament scripture that has a lot of validity and strength to it, and it is still true today as the day it was written. But I want to say this to you very clearly. When you recognize that God also speaks to you, and he does lead you to give, or he does lead you to do things, we need to balance that understanding with the fact that nobody should be under compulsion, nobody should be under these things, but they are led of the Spirit as much as they desire in their own heart, they make a decision in themselves to do something. The understanding that that we realize is, is that you begin to recognize that God has given you a desire. And according to your desire to give is what you should do first and foremost. But secondly, when you couple that with this scripture, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Number one, that means there are voices around you, uh, prophetic voices specifically that get under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, specifically prophetic voices that will speak and they're tenured and they have track record to them. Don't just believe anybody old person that comes along and says something, but you believe a voice from God and you get that aha, that wake up inside you when somebody prophesies. And if it has something to do with giving, I believe there's a, a supernatural uh, prophetic return that you'll get on that in your finances. Now, let me couple that with the New Testament where it says, purpose, give according to the purpose in your own heart, as Paul said, you know, give according to the purpose you've made in your own heart. But then also when you have a stirring of the voice of God in you. So in the New Testament, all of us hear the voice of God. All of us do. So when you recognize that God is speaking to you, yes, through another prophet, but also through your own heart, coupling that with what you want to do. When you hear the voice of God to give, you hear the voice of God to do something that is accurate. And we've made a lot of emphasis on this program and a lot of other places that, you know, when you hear the voice of God, that's good, but you want to give according to what you purpose in your own heart. I believe the highest form of giving is without any uh, compulsion, about any, you know, uh, push from the Holy Spirit. You just say, I want to do this and you do it. I believe that's a high form of giving because you, through your will, it's like an act of worship. I choose to do this for you, God. I think that pleases him because you're not being told to do it. Now, secondly, when you begin to do that, God will bring great favor and great victory to you because you are doing it as an act of worship. Secondly, when you do it in obedience to his voice, now it says in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, it says that if you believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established, but if you believe his prophets, you shall prosper. Now, that's important that you believe prophets. It really is. It really is. And you really need to make sure that they have a voice from God and a proven track record and they're not some goofball trying to get into your pocket. Okay, that's very important. Listen to me. A lot of people have that happen. And that's important. And so you have the voice of God. So the principle I'm trying to couple between 2 Chronicles 2020 is the fact that you have the Holy Spirit in you today. And God speaks to you just as much as he can speak to a prophet. Sometimes the prophets are here as a fivefold minister to begin to speak over you. And they speak over you regarding finances, or you hear things regarding finances and you get stirred up and you want to give. And that's powerful. You'll prosper. If it's really a true word from God, you discern that and you, and you act on it, but God also speaks to you. So the point I'm trying to make is this, is that you first and foremost, when you're giving, you decide in your heart, you want to do so. That's number one. Secondly, the Holy Ghost will speak to you and lead you. Now, there's a lot of emphasis that, that I've heard recently that says that the Holy Ghost doesn't always do that. We need to just literally be doing what 
Uh, we desire, decide to do in our own heart. That's good. And there's so much we could break down about this. But I'm telling you, God sometimes will come to you, his people, and say, I have need of what you have in your hand for either this ministry, this person, this scenario. I need it now. And your response to that should be, yes, sir. And that's the deal. Now, coupled with all that, you'll hear God, you'll be stirred, you'll want to do something in your heart. But the highest form of return that I've ever experienced is when people criticized me for giving. Criticized me for giving. If you've ever been criticized for giving, if you've ever been attacked for your gift, if you've ever been attacked for saying, I believe I'm going to do this, if you've ever had that kind of attack or even your own heart's trying to condemn you when you're doing those kind of things, I got to tell you, you should exercise that and push through with faith and joy and enthusiasm as worship unto God. Yes, a cheerful giver because he loves it. The Greek word for cheerful there is hilarious, which means God loves a hilarious giver. And when you do that with great faith and great expectation and you press into that, I've got to tell you the potency of your return will blast shackles off of your finances. It will blast shackles off of your bank account. Right now, uh, Heather and I, we have we have a, a large bill we're trying to get paid. It's uh, it's We have one for for, you know, roughly a hundred thousand. We have another one for just under a hundred thousand that we're knocking out. We're knocking it out and we're doing it by faith. We're speaking to it like, Hey, it's nothing. We are knocking you into the ground. We are punching that thing in the throat. And we're saying you have no power over us. You have nothing over us. And we laugh at it because we know we're going to dominate it. It's no problem. And a lot of people, you know, depending on where you're at, you work through different processes. If I can't handle a few hundred thousand dollars, how am I going to handle the vision of millions of dollars God's given me? And, and, and look at that. Will I freak out when all of a sudden I, I have a million dollar bill due? The answer is no way. This is just exercise. I'm practicing for the big game. And that's how you should be too. You look at your bills. You look at the things that are in front of you like practice. I'm going to give and exercise my faith and I'm going to exercise it towards these things. But listen to me very carefully. The Lord spoke to me this morning that people who have given at different times in their life have been criticized. And sometimes because we're trained by this natural world, we lean into criticism even more uh, than we lean into the word of God. In other words, we go, oh no, maybe I'm, uh-oh, yeah, I'm doing this wrong. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We care so much about what people think that oftentimes most people, I'd say the vast majority of people settle because of criticism. They settle because they're so afraid about what somebody's going to say about them or think about them. Let me say this to you very clearly. Stop being afraid of what people think about you, especially family. You know, the devil tries to use, uh, you know, and I, I bind this, this will never happen to me or you, but I used to say this all the time, but it's like the devil will try and use your own dog to bite you. And I rebuke that. That'll never happen to me. My dogs are good dogs. They bite nobody. But I was saying that over you too. It's literally that there's there's times that the, the people that are closest to you will criticize you, especially family, especially loved ones, especially those that are uh, you're accountable to. And they'll speak into your life and say, this is crazy. Stop doing that. Use wisdom. Uh, apply a little bit of wisdom here. What you need to do is recognize, has God spoken to you? And if God has spoken to you, you need to exercise that faith. If you listen to people, listen to me, Jesus was preaching and they came in and said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here. Your mother and your brothers are here because I believe they thought Jesus needed to be talked to, to slow down on what he was saying and do those kind of things. If he would have listened to his mother and brothers who didn't even believe in anything that he was saying, 
his, his brothers specifically. They did not believe in who, his ministry and what he was doing. If he would have surrendered to them, if he would have bent the knee and said, yes, I, I, I want to really listen and all that stuff. I want to say something to you very carefully. They would have limited his ministry. They would have pulled him off track and he would have begun worshiping family and fallen back into Egypt, so to speak. He would have fallen back into settling instead of executing the global call he had. And many people do that. And it begins in the area of giving. If you can't do it in the area of giving, and Jesus, of course, responded with, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? All those kind of things. Them that do the will of God. And I've got to tell you, I don't want to hang out with anyone that's not doing the will of God. I don't care who you are. I don't care what's going on. If you're not doing the will of God and you're not challenging me in the area of giving, if you're not challenging me and I don't feel challenged in the areas of doing and reaching the globe and those kind of things, I got to be honest. Not interested in that kind of thing. Through that process, though, listen to me, oftentimes, oftentimes people step out and God's trying to advance you. He's trying to advance you. And most often people shrink back. They fall back to a comfort zone of safety. They stay there. They settle there. They lose their drive. They lose their motivation. And the number one way people lose their drive right out of the gate is the area of radical giving, radical superfluous sowing and reaping. It's true. That's true, Curtis. It's a radical sowing and reaping that people lose immediately because it's like as soon as you begin to not want to sow radically because of persecution or anything, a little part of your heart will grow cold. A little part of your heart will grow cold. And Jesus talked about this, that, that finances and these things are the very beginning, the very fundamental basis of handling spiritual gifts, handling your calling and those kind of things. And so whenever Heather and I feel that way, man, you know what? We go and we just, we load up, man. We can't help it. When you believe the Lord's prophets, you prosper, especially when you give under persecution. Listen to me. I, I need to drive this point home this morning. Sometimes when people, they give under persecution, you're giving under pressure. Sometimes you're giving, you're giving when people are literally being attacking you in your finances, or you're looking at your account and going, this is not good. That's a form of persecution. Your bank account's trying to persecute you. It's saying, you don't have, you don't have, you don't have. And you say, you know what? I am master. I master you by giving. I master you. And I put the problem on God. When I sow, ladies and gentlemen, and there's difficulty going on, I'm putting the problem back on God. When we sow, when we sow aggressively and radically, and we give large amounts as much as we can, in any specific moment. I look at God and say, well, you got some bills, God. You got some real problems to deal with. I don't because I gave. You do. And I love you and respect you and thank you that I know you're going to handle this and it's already good. And we begin to sow aggressively. I got to tell you, that's how winning's done. That is how winning is done. I am stirred by the spirit of God this morning. Listen to me. There are people who've settled in their calling. You've literally settled in your calling. There's many people on here who have not settled in their calling and they're very hungry to move forward. They're very aggressive towards their calling and their mandate. They're doing it with with life and love and all that. But I've got to tell you that God wants you to give radically. He wants you to do things radically. The Lord showed me that there's going to be a grassroots movement in the body of Christ. There's going to be a grassroots movement in the body of Christ. And literally from a grassroots level, the body, I believe, has the potential in this generation. I was talking with Ashley about it. You know, I, I'm with Ashley and we in a very loving, wonderful way, we understand the potency of seed. Man, I can't I can't barely pay for dinner with Ashley. He'll, he'll run into a restaurant and pay before you get in there. And I'm like, what kind of person are you? And I thought, you're my kind of person. <laughs> this is how we are. And, and I just enjoy that about these guys. And so that being said, 
when you sow, sometimes it's, it's literally that God is saying that there's a grassroots movement with the people of God everywhere that I believe God wants to break the body of Christ into the billion status, into the trillion status, where the body of Christ starts to move financially in a way they've never moved before. I hope they understand this revelation. And I feel like I'm one of the people that's called to preach it aggressively because it's not just about an individual prospering, which God's will is for that, that you prosper beyond imagination, thought, what you can imagine. However, there is a mighty anointing for the entire body of Christ as a movement to prosper together where there is no lack among us, where we begin to move forward. There's a grassroots thing and it starts with giving and trying to outgive the other and do those kind of things. That's powerful. Instead of the one person just tanking up on it and there's no giving in return, there's none of that. It's literally, I believe this, you know, I told you guys this before that I saw a superfluous overflow. I saw a vision of a canopy around the world, like the time of Noah, when there was that, that water, that great canopy around the globe of water that broke and flooded the earth. The Lord showed me this symbolically. Now, I'm not trying to say this is how it is and all that, but I want to say is, is uh, that God began to show me that there's this, this hidden, not hidden, it's not hidden, it's very evident, but people don't understand how much they have available because we are so carnal. We're caught up in these financial plans, which are good. They're good. They're just not great. The great is getting in God's economy. And everybody starts talking about how, how you know, you need to balance your books. You need to balance this. And that's so true. And it's fundamental. But that's kind of, I want to just say, duh, <laughs> you know, duh, do a financial plan. That's important. But at the same time, the best thing you can do is to get in God's economy. I don't want to get into, you know, bean counting. I want to get into multiplying. I want to get into multiplication and be a great steward of that multiplication. But you get into multiplication by sowing aggressively to the same measure you use. It will be measured unto you. And if you measure small, you're going to get a small return. If you measure aggressive giving, you'll have an aggressive return. And God is not mocked. What a man sows, he shall reap. He shall reap. Here's the part that people freak out over, though, is I gave years ago, and I'm believing what Ashley and Carly told me, is we believe for instant returns, sudden returns, faster returns. But I used to give years ago, and I remember one time I gave uh, you know, a vehicle away, and I think it was a year before we got another one. I was like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But we still did it, and we refused to be moved by our circumstances. We refused to be moved by our circumstances. And I've got to tell you, when you do these kind of things and you pour it forward and you say, I'm doing it, I, re I refuse to do this and, and you're doing it with joy and make sure you're doing it truly out of the joy of your heart, out of a genuine word from God. And again, I do want to add to that. Don't just do something presumptuously. You do it because you have a word from God. Okay, that's important. You do it because you really want to in your heart. And I believe if you stand on that, it'll last. And you call to your seat, you speak to your seat, you do those things and there'll be monster return monstrous return. Praise God. Many of you, I know you're givers. Many of you are sowers. Many of you do those kind of things. I have partners that are wonderful. I have people that stand and do these things. And I got to tell you today, I'm believing that this year, this year is the year of ridiculous, superfluous overflow for every partner in this ministry. I'm believing for superfluous, ridiculous, life-changing, uh, explosive overflow for the people of God that are partners of this ministry. We call it out. We do that. We're believing that way. And I believe God's going to just magnify and amplify the call of God on your life through finances and through the call that God's given you. Now, 
let me say this specifically. I have a word for those of you who have either sown under persecution or you've decided I want to give, but somebody's going to criticize me or there's condemnation that comes against me when I do it. It is time for you. If you've been persecuted for giving, today's the day to rejoice. If you feel like you'd be persecuted by sowing or doing something radical and aggressive, I'm telling you, rejoice. And you know what? Defy that and press through. Press through. That's what we do. I say this boldly because that is literally what we do. And I'm telling you, when you do that kind of stuff, God will break literally the doors off. He will break off the, the, the hindrances to what belongs to you. Praise God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. There is literally light and liberty God's wanting to do in financial increase this morning. I can go through all the, the scriptures. I can go through all these things. Let me, let me get into this scripture here very quickly. Let me go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. It says, so they rose early in the morning. I'm in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall be prosper. Do you know what prophets will always do if they're really legitimate? They're going to point you to sowing and reaping because of what Jesus said. They're going to point you in some of these areas of prosperity, pointing you to God's economy, bringing glory to Jesus, challenging you to get beyond fear and into faith. And I'll tell you what, the Lord had to bring me down this process. He had to challenge me in my own life before I could preach this. A lot of people preach this, but they don't live it. They don't live it. They don't live it. And I like being around ministers, especially that if they preach intense giving, that they are intense givers. And there's a difference when people that are intense givers and they preach intense giving and they do it. I'll tell you what, there's an anointing that gets on them. There's an anointing that gets on them. I am believing God that this ministry will be one of those million dollar check ministries. We walk in and say, there's a million dollar need here. Checks written, done. And I'm believing that because, and people say, well, when I have a million dollars, I'll do that wrong thinking. You literally must be a person that says, I'm going to do it now with what's in my hand. I'll do it now with what's in my hand. And if you do what with what's in your hand now, God can give you more and you grow forward. You pretend the hundred dollars you have now is the million. You pretend the hundred thousand you have now is the million, the five thousand, the five dollars, the, the fifty thousand dollars, the fifty dollars, whatever it is, wherever level you're at, you treat that like, man, I'm going to give radically. This is where I'm going. And that's how Heather and I act. We say, okay, what do we have? What do we have? Let's treat it as if we had many more zeros behind it and begin to go with that. And it's powerful. Now, listen, when you believe in the Lord, your God, you're established. That's foundational. That's where most believers are. They believe in God. They love God. They stand there with God. They, they, they take in the word of God. They do these things and they're established. They're born again. They're doing that. But why are so many believers in debt? Why are you in debt? You're in debt because you've not fully had a revelation of God's economy. It's a difference between knowing God and doing some things and having a revelation of God's economy. When you have a revelation of God's economy, that is the voice of God that gives you unction to begin to sow aggressively, to stand aggressively, and your complete trust is in God with your resources and your provision. That's a revelation. So when it talks about believe in his prophets and you shall prosper, that is a revelation of God's economy. That's what it really means in the New Testament. It doesn't mean a prophet comes and waves their hand, give to me. <laughs> it means that you have a revelation of God's economy. You are literally believing the voice of God. You're believing God's principles over what you could have 
uh, in the natural and through just financial planning and management. You need to get into multiplication. And that is the voice of God. That is believing his prophets and you will prosper. That's what it's talking about. And you recognize that process. So when you believe the voice of God, it does this. And there's a financial system that you're called to conquer by faith. You're called to conquer it by faith. You're called to conquer a financial system in your own life by faith. It's one of the things God's called us to do. And you conquer it by faith because the financial system is that Babylonian process that we recognize as this world system of finance. And we're called to have great finance in the kingdom of God. Let me say this to you. You're called to overcome the world. You're called to overcome the world in your giving. And you're called to overcome persecution in the area of your finances by giving. You know, it says in, in Mark chapter 10, it says that anyone who's given up lands, houses, mothers, uh, property, family, any of these things for my sake and the gospel will now in this time receive a hundred times as much. Let me, let me go there very quickly. Those of you that have given under persecution, this is the theme of that scripture, okay? And persecution, many times you get persecution because also of your return. You know this, that sometimes you're persecuted, not because you gave to, but sometimes you get persecuted even more when you get your harvest. And people are like, oh, that's terrible. What are you doing with all that stuff? How'd you get this and that? Don't judge anyone's harvest until you've judged their seed until you've judged their seed. I see a lot of people that have superfluous overflow coming into their life. And what you don't know is how much they've sown to get to that point. Now, listen, this is where Jesus talked about the rich young ruler. He's doing all these things. And uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 23, let me give you this very quickly. Mark chapter 10, verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, because remember, he said to the rich young ruler, he said, Lord, I've done all this. I've done that. I, I've met this need. I've done that. I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus looked at him, loving him, said, one thing you lack, give all you have to the poor and come follow me. It's the one thing he couldn't do. And the rich young ruler failed right there. His ego and his arrogance of, I've kept all this, I've kept that. And Jesus said, actually, you know what? This'll get you. This'll get you. Let's see if you really got what it takes. Give it all up. Follow me. Give it all up and follow me. And he goes on to say, verse 23, it says, then Jesus in Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10 and verse 23, Mark chapter 10 and verse 23 it says, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is. I'm in Mark chapter 10, verse 23. Then Jesus looked around after dealing with the rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10, verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Look at what it says next. Verse 24, I like this. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why in the world would they be astonished? You know, why would they be astonished? He said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. But Jesus answered again and said, children, how hard it is for those who enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for an, a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. We've taught on this before. It's talking about a literal camel and a literal needle. It's not some weird little gate in Jerusalem. It's actually a literal camel, literal needle. Verse 26 of Mark chapter 10, and they were greatly astonished. This is the disciples talking. Listen carefully to what they said. The disciples then being greatly astonished when Jesus said, those who have riches, it's so hard for them to enter the kingdom of God. It's like a camel trying to be shoved through the eye of a needle. He's saying it's not, it's not hard, it's impossible. 
But then he said, with God, all things are possible. Basically, you got to just surrender to Jesus is what he's saying. Just just quit with your own works and surrender to Jesus, and he can do anything with you. That's, the, that's really what he's saying here. But it goes on here. Look at the disciples' response. This is important because I'm going to get to this next part. Mark chapter 10, verse 26. And these are the disciples. After Jesus said this statement about riches and the rich young ruler, then they said in verse 26, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, the disciples looked at each other and said among themselves, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? Think about that statement. The disciples looked at each other and said, if you have riches, it's hard for you to enter the kingdom. It's actually a rich man. It's like a camel trying to go through the eye of the needle. And the disciples were taken back by that statement, said among each other, looked at each other and said, who then can be saved? Think about that. Meaning the disciples said that because they were rich. They were businessmen. And they looked at each other and said, can we be saved? Because we have substance, we have riches, we have wealth. They were businessmen, they were tax collectors, fishermen, all these things, and they had substance. And so this freaked them out. They thought, how are we going to be born again? How can we be saved? Because we have substance, we have substance. And Jesus went on to say, he went on very clearly from there and began to teach them saying, um, uh, he looked at them and said, with, with men, it is impossible, in verse 27 of Mark chapter 10, but with God, uh, but, but it's impossible, but with not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Meaning you get born again and God will make this all good. You know, that's what he's saying. Now, let me go forward very quickly. This is so important here. Let me go forward. I want to get to this part because we're talking about persecution specifically. In verse 28 of Mark chapter 10, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. We gave it all up. We sowed. We did whatever. We'll, we'll leave it behind. We did this. But they were people of substance. And they said, we've, we've left our families. We've left our businesses. We're, we're doing whatever you're calling us to do, right? So they got there. And then Jesus said in verse 29, so Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels and the gospels who shall not receive 100 fold now in this time, a hundred fold now in this time, listen carefully now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Verse 31, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Now listen carefully to me. He's saying anybody that under the pressure of persecution gave up, gave up to go up, gave up to follow Jesus. There is a potent return called 100 times as much. If you've given anything under persecution for the name of Jesus, that is the hottest seed you can give because it's under persecution. And now you have a hundred times multiplier on that seed. So let me give you an example. I'm standing in this. When I was a kid, 13 years old, gave up 700 acres to follow Jesus, had a huge inheritance, had a lot of things happening, gave up 700 acres to follow Jesus. I said, God, I'm following you. And they said, you'll be cut out of this. You won't be a part of that. Had to lose it all to go forward and did it, did it joyfully. Tears streaming down my face, did it as a teen, a young teen, a tween, you know, and I stepped out to do that. And God brought me forward. And the Lord has promised me in my life, and I believe sooner rather than later, I will have 70,000 acres of prime real estate. 
I'm going to possess 70,000 or more acres of prime real estate. You say, why? Because that's what the Bible says. You say that, Joseph, that's, that sounds selfish. That sounds like this. No, no, that's what the Bible says. What have you given up that you can claim 100 times over towards? Maybe you need to sow something today that you say, man, I'm, I'm believing for 100 times over in this time. I want a response to this. If you've been persecuted for giving anything, anything, I believe God is going to bless you 100 times over. 100 times over. That's why I believe for studios. I believe for studios, buildings, properties, ranch, whatever. I believe in for all that in the name of Jesus. And I believe God will bless us superfluously with ridiculous, unnecessary overflow just because of this principle right here. And I'm saying it for you today. There is a blessing in unnecessary overflow that God is just by principle saying, you gave up for me, I'm going to give up for you. I'm going to give you ridiculous return, ridiculous return. Psalm 27 says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. You know, the other day I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I want to be your daddy. I want to be your mom. I want to be this. I want to be that. Over the years, I've had a lot of people say that to me because of my story. And recently I had an encounter with the Lord where I sat in his presence. He's talking to me. And it's like I told everybody he was hurting over something. And God's not in a bad mood, but he was actually saying, you know, I just, there's some people that I, I asked them to do something. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And in that process, when he told me this, I looked at him and said, that's great. God, I love you. You know, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm going to stand with you. And I began to recognize that God's hand of power was there. There was a presence that was there. And in that, I realized that God's just looking for people that believe him. He's looking for superfluous overflow. And because of that, in that moment, as I'm sitting there believing God, I said to the Lord, God, I do believe in spiritual mothers and fathers. I had lunch with one yesterday. I believe in spiritual mothers and fathers. However, I said to the Lord, I'll take you. I'll take you as my daddy. I'll take you as my father. I'll take you as my parents. I'll take you, Jesus. I'll take you, God. I want that relationship with you. I want to bypass all this stuff and take you. And it was this, this holy moment. And I believe when you allow him to take you up in Psalm 27 and those kind of things, thank you, Jesus. There's some of you that are lacking parents. Maybe your parents are dead. Maybe they're gone. But you say, you know what? I'm a giver. I'm this. People criticize me. You feel alone. You're doing things. You listen to me. Psalm 27 says he takes you up. He takes you up. You literally, there's, there's some privilege to being orphaned in a sense. There's something about being orphaned where God loves to take you up. You are chosen. You're chosen and you get to have more of a direct access of God loving on you and giving you ridiculous favor and all that. You know, for years I'd watch family parties and I'd see all these things all over and people celebrating and do all this kind of stuff. And um, there's a lot of people, you know, I watch family parties, I'd see all these people together and it's like, oh, I'm with my parents, I'm with this, I'm with that person and that. And literally that's just not been in the cards for us, not to the level of some people, you know, that's just not been where it's been for us. Uh, Heather and I both on, on many different levels. And and because of that, instead of being like, oh, it's sad or getting angry, like, you know, who cares about parties and family and all that stuff, you know, you know, that instead what we do is we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. You're our family. We love you. We love our kids. Maybe I don't have it this and that way, but I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to give them what I didn't have and I'm going to love them. I'm going to do it healthy and functional, not dysfunctional, you know, and you get in the word of God. And I think a lot of people get into the woe is me and feeling bad for themselves when you do that. And if you go down that road, you'll miss that Psalm 27 promise. You'll miss it. Don't miss it. 
Don't miss it. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Start worshiping God and enjoying and doing those things. And it'll lead you to become a hilarious giver. It'll lead you to become powerful. It'll lead you to become all these things. I've got to tell you, God's the best dad you could ever have. He's the best parent you could ever have. And if you get in the word of God, you'll find out you ain't missing nothing. First John chapter five, verse three, it says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Verse four, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. (laughs) Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Another version of this is the faith, the, the, the faith of God, your faith. One version says is the, your faith is the power that brings the world to its knees. Your faith is the power that brings the world to its knees. Your faith is the power that brings, and the the Greek word for world here is the word cosmos. Your faith is the the power that brings the cosmos or the public. It's not talking about outer space cosmos. It's talking about the social uh, surroundings you're in, the social climate you're in. Your faith is the power that brings the cosmos or the public or the social sectors that you're in to its knees before God. And one of the things that this is in relation to is in giving. When you give under persecution, you are forcing that negative voice. You're forcing that uh, destructive criticism to come to its knees as you sow aggressively and break through the barrier. There's an unseen barrier in front of you. I call it the red line. You know, you got to cross that red line. You break through that barrier and God's called you to do it. Today in the area of giving and receiving, I declare and decree to you, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. I'm telling you, bring the world to its knees in the area of your resources in giving and receiving. And the way you do that is you're giving in faith, regardless of what the public, the people around you begin to criticize. And the scripture I gave you was 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Verses 4 specifically talks about the world to its knees by your faith. Now you recognize this is that God has called you to do that. And when you step out and you step out in faith and you step out in aggressive giving and you step out breaking through under persecution, and you take faith and you sow it in persecution, you will break through the barrier and there will be nothing lacking, nothing broken among you, and you'll literally step into shalom. That's the truth. And you got to press past persecution, criticism, fear of man. You got to do what God's called you to do, fear of lack, all that. Bring it to its knees by your acts of faith, by radical giving, by doing what God's called you to do. We've done that our whole life. We've done that our whole life. Praise God. And I've got to tell you, when you get into that, God will open up radical doors for you. He'll open up radical doors for you because he knows and you know deep down if you're doing it and really trusting. If you aren't, that's the response you're going to get. If you are, you're going to get a radical return. You're going to get a radical return. It's just the way it is. You cannot, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot bury seed. Whatever you put in the ground is coming out. It's coming out. You can put a rock or a boulder over it, take a little longer. It's still coming out. Praise God. So I'm telling you, you need to sow into ministries with increase. This ministry has a radical spirit of increase on it. And I mean radical. And I'm believing this, ladies and gentlemen, Heather Z and I 
have given lands, property, vehicles, stupid amounts of money away. And we've done that. And I'll tell you what, we have a radical spirit of increase in this ministry. And I declare and decree today, our partners and those of you that, that sow here and you do it under your own desire, you do it under your own uh, calling of God, you feel stirred by the voice of God to do something, praise God. I'm telling you, if you partner here, you sow here, you will have increase. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I say it boldly because I love seeing people get out of debt, stop being broke, move forward, have better vehicles, better houses, better things they're supposed to do. And most importantly, have the ability to equip the gospel to go around the world. That is the ultimate goal of this complete gospel we're preaching. So I release that to you in Jesus' name. If you're not a partner today, consider being a partner. If you're not a friend of this ministry by sowing, you need to consider doing that because God will bless you superfluously. Only do what you want to do and what God has called you to do. But I'm telling you, there's increase here and increase will get on you. It's worked for us. It will work for you. It'll blow the doors off of what God's called you to do. Hey.